Well, hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, it is my pleasure to be interviewing Kevin Buck all the way from beautiful Florida. And I'm up here in Canada, freezing my buns off in BC right now. So I'm a little bit jealous. And Kevin, if you haven't heard of him, is a uh, very accomplished real estate entrepreneur. He's done all sorts of things over the last 20 years. And nowadays, his main focus is on mobile home park investing. He's got mobile home parks in 13 different states and definitely knows his stuff when it comes to this kind of investment. So welcome to the interview, Kevin. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Very much looking forward to it. My pleasure. So looking at your bio, it looks like you've done a few different things. Tell me, let's go back in time, 20 years or whatever it was. What was it that first sparked your interest in real estate investing and how did you get started at the very beginning? Yeah, I wish I could take credit for me being the one that had the idea of getting into real estate investing, but it wasn't to my credit. It was more so to a gentleman by the name of David who became a mentor of mine. And I met David through a girl I was dating. David was, he's about 20 years older than I am. And just that's what he did locally where I grew up in Pennsylvania. He was a real estate investor, had a lot of single family rentals, smaller multifamily properties and lived a pretty cool lifestyle and something that was very new to me. And I had an interest in what he was doing. I was going to college at the time, a local community college, and didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up and knew I wanted to, to make money and do something with my life. I just didn't know what that was. And I think David might have, he might have seen that in me, like kind of a kid with no direction. And ultimately just, we became friends. You know, long story short, he took me underneath his wing after attending a boot camp with him, went to a real estate training boot camp, and he took me underneath his wing. And I basically, I worked for him for about a year and a half, didn't get paid, was over there. Any, any time that I wasn't in class or attending bar in the evenings, I was with David either at his home office or out in the field, basically doing whatever he needed me to help him do to grow his business so that I could learn exactly what it was he was doing and how he was doing it. So I fell in love with real estate you know, very shortly after he introduced me to it. And I didn't know much then. I didn't know too much at all. However, I did know that it was something that was very exciting and something that I knew given enough time and energy, I'd be able to wrap my arms around it and do something pretty cool with it. So and that was really the beginning. That was a very humble beginnings. Well, that, actually, you know what? You kickstarted things probably the best possible way anybody could. And that is being mentored directly by somebody who's actively doing it and working for free. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, we can learn through the school of hard knocks. We can go out and invest in training and coaching and mentoring, or we can work for free. And I think uh, at your age and at that time, and probably at any stage, that's probably the the best way to do it by far. So what was your first investment property? What was the first thing that you bought yourself? Yeah, it was a very rundown single family row home in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, paid $15,000 for it. It was in a very bad neighborhood, probably wouldn't have wouldn't buy that that home again, given what I know today. But that was the very first one. The intent was, so I'll back up a little bit, you know, David's, David's MO was to buy properties for long term cash flow. And so he was at a different stage of his life, though. And, and so he, everything he bought, he bought with the intent of holding and actually living off that cash flow. I had limited funds at that age. I had money that I'd saved up from tending bar and that was about it. And so I originally bought that property with the intent of actually renovating it and actually having it as a rental. However, it only cash flowed a few hundred dollars a month. I was out of money after that first property. I needed to actually build up kind of a war chest of, of capital that I could use. And so although the intent was really just follow his game plan, that game plan fell apart pretty quickly and I had to actually 
flipped that property and I flipped the next couple of properties or wholesaled, either renovated and flipped or wholesaled until I actually had enough capital to where I could buy a property and comfortably keep that and continue building the business on the side here, you know, flipping and, and building more of a war chest. So that's what I did. And yeah, that first one was, yeah, again, just scary. Lots of mistakes was made. You know, he was there to give me guidance along the way. His relationships really came into play there. You know, most of the lending came from a hard money lender that he introduced me to. And so lots of the resources that made that deal actually happen were a direct result of that relationship that I built with David. Oh, that's cool. So mm -hmm. nowadays or fast forward through the last 20 years, well, let's talk about how and when did you get inspired or, or curious and involved in investing in mobile home parks? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. That's a great question. So like a lot of folks, I, I got started with the single family stuff and built up uh, quite a large portfolio in my 20s, acquired over 100 single family rental properties, also had about 500 apartment doors and had owned some other commercial real estate as well. That was all leading up to 2008. 2008 absolutely crushed me. I was down here in, in Clearwater, the Tampa Bay area at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, so Florida was kind of ground zero for the real estate crash. And so it was a very challenging time. And so it was more in defensive mode at that point, 2008 to 2011 was really just dealing with, you know, disaster recovery more than anything else. And so what ultimately happened, Dave, is I looked back and reflected on my business after those couple of years of, of that hardship. And reflecting on what worked really well and what didn't work well. And what I identified is that the apartments that I owned just seemed to, I, I seemed to have built that portfolio without working nearly as hard as I did building the single family home portfolio. And I just had never put a, a large emphasis on that side of the business. It just kind of worked itself out and it was much more scalable than the single family side. And so I knew going back into re, the rebuilding phase, you know, 2011 era that I wanted to buy multifamily. I had never considered mobile home parks. It was going to be apartment complexes. And you know, through a close friend of mine, he introduced me to um, a gentleman he had known for a couple of years by the name of Randy. Randy owned mobile home parks here locally. He was retired from a bank, from banking and basically bought a couple of communities. And that's what he was doing. And I wasn't going to meet with him just or because I had an interest in what he did. I just wanted to meet someone new. You know, I always enjoy meeting new folks that are successful. And so I had a lunch with Randy, really, again, no, with no interest of digging or picking into his brain about mobile home parks. But that's ultimately what occurred. And I had a two hour lunch with him piqued my interest in many different ways about mobile home parks. And I left that meeting basically committing to myself that I was going to buy a mobile home park sometime over the next year and, and either approve or disapprove all these great things that Randy had to say about this business. So that was back in 2011, bought our first park in 2012 and have been doing so ever since. So has that become like your main bread and butter thing? That's, that's what you focus on these days? It it is. You know, I have a lot of investments and I'm pretty diversified as far as like my, you know, my, my investments are concerned. So I've got investments in self-storage that are passive. I've got investments with a lot of different multifamily operators that are passive, medical office, what have you. But mobile home parks is our business. That's what we do on a day in, day out basis. We raise capital from accredited investors and we own and operate communities, you know, and as you mentioned, beginning the show through 13 different states right now. So that is our core focus. Excellent. All right. So for folks who aren't familiar with mobile home park investing, what would you say are the, the top three or four big benefits to mm -hmm. that style of real estate investing versus single family homes, apartment buildings, et cetera, et cetera. Everything's, everything's got its pros and its cons. You've done yes. a lot of different things. What is it that you like the most about mobile home parks? Yeah, there's a number of things. And some of the big things that Randy piqued my interest on were 
the one was barrier to entry. You know, uh, mobile home parks are the only asset class that have a diminishing supply, meaning that there's more parks that are actually being redeveloped or shut down that are actually being brought online each and every year. And there's two reasons behind that. Number one, they've got a negative stigma attached to them. You know, a mobile home park is a place where the drug, sex, and rock and roll exists. And that's just not the case, but that's what municipalities think. And so the chance of actually getting one approved, a new one approved, is slim to none. In addition to that, they're not great from a tax basis standpoint for a municipality. They're much a much better tax situation if an apartment's built in that same place or a retail shopping center, what have you. And so there's not much of an incentive for a municipality to approve a new mobile home park to be built. And also the you know, neighbors are, you know, we don't want that in our backyard. They have that type syndrome as well. And so there's a major barrier to entry here. And there's a benefit behind that because if we buy a mobile home park in a great market, we don't have to worry about a competitor buying a vacant lot down the road and building another community. So I really like that aspect of it. Another big one was the the turnover. You know, most of these residents own their own home and the average length of tenancy in a community is 12 years. Wow. And so when they own their home, it's just like they own a single family home in the neighborhood. You know, very rarely do they move. You know, people aren't coming and going every 12 months. It, it might happen, but like that's not the normal. Whereas in an apartment, you might have a changeover every 12 to 18 months. And so much lower turnover. And then when that turnover does happen, the beautiful thing about it is just like in a single family neighborhood, if you put your home up for sale, you basically list the home for sale. You're continuing to pay your taxes and your mortgage payment and all that. New buyer comes in, they pay off that home, you move on, that person comes in and assumes now the tax liability and what have you for that particular piece of property. So the same thing occurs in our space. So we very rarely ever have like a period of a few months where we're not getting revenue from that lot. So that's a beautiful thing. Some of the other big aspects are, you know, the actual management side of it. You know, we're not dealing with the plumbing repairs, HVAC repairs, roofing repairs, what have you, because the residents own their own homes. And so whenever in the middle of the night something happens, they don't call us. The only thing that we're really in charge of in a community is basically the common areas and also also the infrastructure. So the water sewer lines, a lot of times the roads, and again, the general common areas are our upkeep, which is much easier than dealing with, you know, service calls uh, at all hours of the day and night for things that we own, you know, again, plumbing, pipes, roof repairs, HVACs, what have you. So those are just like three really big items. There's many, many more. One of the other big ones I'll mention here is, you know, the returns. When you really compare mobile home parks, if you try to, it's really hard to give like an apple to apple comparison. But if you take like the same city and state, the same size mobile home park to the same size apartment complex, same class, you know, C grade, B grade, what have you, typically you'll find that there's a a higher yield or return on the mobile home park than that of the traditional apartment complex. And so just one of the many things that really attract us to the space. And there are many more to go along with that, but those are some of the big ones that really attracted us. And again, made me commit to myself to either prove or disprove, you know, how great this was. And, and I was going to go out and buy my own park when I met with Randy. You know, that's, that's what I went out and did. And here again, here we are seven or so years later, still buying parks. Well, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that you proved most of what Randy had to say, Correct and probably then some. If you've got thirteen different states, how many how many actual mobile home parks does your company own? Or are yeah, we've got twenty one at this point in time. Wow, that's great. All right, so um, Kevin, I know you offer training about this, and you've, mm-hmm. you've mentored people about this in the past. What are what are some of the big challenges, difficulties, or or mistakes that you see newbie mobile home park investors making? as they get into this business? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and I think a lot of the mistakes that are made are the same mistakes that are made in a lot of the other niches if you're not trained appropriately before diving in and, you know, putting the money on the line. And so one of the big ones in our space is, you know, just 
location specific. You know, there's just like there's mobile home parks in heavily populated areas. There's also mobile home parks that exist in very rural locations. You know, I like to call them like one horse towns, towns that don't have much of economic, not many economic drivers that might have a declining population, what have you. Maybe some factories exist there that have shut down over the years, what have you. You know, those parks from the outside looking in, they might be trading at much higher cap rates. And, you know, a lot of people are, you know, allured to the, the high cap rates. They think that, you know, hey, higher return, better investment. I'm going to make more money off this thing. But what they don't really, you know, take into consideration is I need people to move into my park. I need good people to actually be there. I need them to have jobs so they can pay the rent on a monthly basis. So I see a lot of folks being attracted to parks that are not in the greatest of locations. Another big one is in our niche, there's some unique nuances that exist. One of them is, the ideal situation is to actually not own any of the mobile homes in the community. Okay. That's in a perfect world. However, you know, we're not in a perfect world and we have a number of communities where we don't own any homes. And then we have other communities where we own some. And most of the time it's because of the prior owner. That's how their structure was. They just happened to accumulate some homes and they had them as rentals, what have you. And there's a, you know, there's really two different businesses there. When you're underwriting a community, you really want to just focus on the lot revenue, the revenue from the lot itself, not necessarily from the home itself, because the home is a depreciating asset. It's a personal piece of property. So I see a lot of new investors making a mistake by if a home, the mobile home park has a lot of homes that it owns, then the gross revenue is typically overstated because they're taking into account also the rental revenue and they're not underwriting it accordingly and their numbers, their offer number comes in much higher than what it typically should be. And so I see a lot of new investors overpaying because of that rental component on some of these parks. And so those are just two of the really big ones. And then, you know, lastly, is just really, you know, Private utilities are pretty pretty popular in our in our niche. If they're in a market that you know, a lot of these parks were built in the parts of town that were on the outskirts, right? Cheaper piece of the land. And over time, a lot of these towns, like the Path of Progress, has actually grown into the park. But there's still a lot of these communities that are on private utilities. So you know, for sewer systems, it would be septic systems, wastewater treatment plants, lagoons. For water, it'd be well systems. And not really getting a handle on that before buying something, not truly having engineers come in and actually inspect all these components can get you into a lot of trouble. So I've seen a lot of newbies also really lose a lot of money not understanding what they're stepping into. And a lot of times it could be a complete disaster, you know, if you've got failing sewer systems, what have you. So some of the big ones that come to mind. So just in the last minute and a half that we got here, so, and I, <laughs> this is a loaded question, but out of the 21 parks that you guys own and the experience you have with your students and taking into account different markets, et cetera, what's kind of like a ballpark figure for a price tag on one of these parks? And I understand there's so many. Yeah, that is a loaded question. So there's a certain size. Yeah, for, I can tell you what it is for us. Because again, there, anything more than one mobile home is a mobile home park. So you might find a piece of land with two homes on it. It's classified as a mobile home park, right? And so, you know, our average size is a, is 100 lots or larger. So, but you know, 100 is about the average, like about the minimum that we'll look for. And so based on that, our typical deal size is somewhere between 2 and $5 million. Again, there's many smaller parks out there. The very first park that we purchased was up in Atlanta. It was a small little 34-space community. It was a bank-owned property. We picked it up for $200,000. Wow. And we purchased some other you know, less expensive parks over the years. But nowadays, for us, about 2 to $5 million is a normal price point. All right. Very good. And is it kind of the, the normal 20 25% down, the rest gets financed by the bank kind of situation? Is that... Yeah. Yeah. And it really depends on the size of the community. So basically there's anything under a million dollars, you're going to be 
basically relying on like a local community or credit union type of a uh, lender to get the deal done. And I'd say that normal situations would be, you know, a 30% down payment, 20 year amortization on those smaller loans. Now, once you get up into the 1 million plus and definitely the 2 million plus range, there's lots of other institutional type lenders available. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are very much in our niche. However, their typical loan amount, they like to see 2 million or higher. They do make some exceptions here and there. There's also many different CMBS or conduit lenders that are in our space that get all these, you know, between Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac and these conduit lenders, they have 30 year amortizations. 20 to 25% down and much more attractive interest rates than that of a smaller local bank or credit union might have. Kevin, this has been great. Time flies when we're having fun, my friend. Thank you very much. If if people want to find out more about Kevin Buffman and how they might be able to get some, some assistance when it comes to mobile home park investing, what should they do? Yeah, you can find me on my website, kevinbupp.com. There's links there to the different podcasts that I host on a weekly basis. I have a commercial real estate investing podcast called Real Estate Investing for Cashflow. I also have a mobile home park specific podcast called the Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. And then also, as you mentioned, we do training as well. But all that can be found on the kevinbupp.com website. There you have it. Kevin, thank you very much. And everyone, thank you for tuning in and stay tuned for our next episode. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at Investor Attraction Demo. Dot com. Take care.